0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Happy Monday. Been a busy few days for Celtics. Things gone possibly. Some of it was the worst it could have gone. Other bits have been kind of reassuring, I guess. We've already reacted to the draft. We spoke about Hayward when he initially pushed back his decision and what options were available. We know what happened now, and uh, it sucks. I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes. How you doing, Brendan?
1: I'm doing good, man. I've I've been better, but you know, I think that the Celtics did an okay job recovering from a, a rough Gordon Hayward situation.
0: Yeah, it feels like a a breakup from a relationship that you knew was never going to work, but you convinced yourself that they were the one. Yeah, it sounds way too familiar. Yeah, I thought that when I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe. Oh, sorry, dude. No, it's totally your, fine. Airing your dirty laundry all over the place. Um, jokes aside, this was rough. There were so many ways that the Hayward decision could have gone. And I feel like most people kind of got it into their heads because of all the reporting that was going on and the air quote leaks that were happening that Hayward was going to Indiana. Turns out that wasn't the case at all. Hayward decided to up pack his bags and head for Charlotte on a contract that to be quite honest with you, I would not blame anyone for not matching. Yeah, man, that's way too much money for Gordon Hayward. Like,
1: I mean, you would have needed to see him at his Utah level and four years of it. Like, man, I don't know. Charlotte liked him before they were the uh, restricted free agent offer sheet that Utah had to match for Gordon at one point. Um, but yeah, man, that's a lot of money. Like, I, I fully guaranteed, dude.
0: Every penny guaranteed, man.
1: For a guy with that injury history at this point, too. Like, I don't know. Good for Gordon to cash out. But I don't know. What do you make of the whole, you know, Boston had Miles Turner and what was it, Doug McDermott on the table, supposedly, but then asked for what was it,
0: uh, TJ Warren and Oladipo and said, what do you make of this whole? I mean, know, a lot of it's smoke, right? I was speaking to somebody uh, earlier on something else I was doing who has sources from different teams in the league, but not from Boston. And he was telling me from everything that had been fed to him, that Hayward's agent played this perfectly. And he was telling every team exactly what they wanted to hear while moving along and kind of making deals in the the shadows. For me, it's like, okay, so from what we were told, what we were led to believe, then this offer was on the table of Miles Turner and say Doug McDermott and Ainge Wanted. TJ Warren or Oladipo or whoever it may be yeah mm-hmm. if that's the case what, what were Indiana willing to pay how like a lot of this comes down to what was the offer going to be on the table for a sign and trade for Gordon from Indiana and what was going to be on the table for um, and then we know what was on the table from Charlotte and to me it kind of seems like Hayward had his pick of where to go And he showed that he valued a big paycheck more than he valued going home or staying on a contender.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that is, I mean, big paycheck almost undersells it, you know, like that's a crazy amount of money. You can't, I I don't feel like it's fair to be any sort of annoyed at Gordon for taking that. He also gets a bigger role, which I understand wanting that for the sake of your career and, you know, feeling like you're better than the opportunity that maybe you feel like you weren't given or anything like that. I mean, you can't blame Gordon for this, but it stings for Boston to get nothing
0: back. Yo, dude, I saw a tweet that was there this morning and it was doing some numbers. And it was like Gordon Haywood has really flipped one Western Conference All-Star appearance into $230 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah,
1: it's not wrong. He actually had, you know, two, three really good years and, and has been injured
0: and, I mean, there's still agent, kind of betting on that player. Bro, his agent is the best hype man in the league. There's no doubt about him. Oh, yeah. No doubt about him. Oh, yeah. uh, look, jokes aside, this and is... And then a, meanwhile, sorry to cut you off, but meanwhile, you have the agent that has
1: Bogdan Bogdanovich that backs out of this deal. It's the same guy that was the mir- uh, the agent for Bielitsa, who, you know remember, signed for Philadelphia and then backed out of it and did something else. And there's one other instance of someone backing out of a deal... As well, that are all from the same agent. It's it's hilarious the difference between the two. Is that Marcus maris by any chance? That's what it was. Yeah, that was the third one. Um, All three of those
0: guys are under the same agent. I mean, that at this point now, that's his plan of attack. Then whoever signs that that guy first knows that they're going to get backed out of. It's yeah. uh, I mean, the league needs to talk to that guy. (laughs) And I mean, at the end of the day, we kind of understand now that what we were getting fed and what was actually happening were were not the same and this is the one problem with using social media and understanding that people do have sources but those sources only get information that their their agents and the team and the player want them to get they know what they're leaking out into the media and they know what smoke screens they're putting up and what moves they're making secretly it was um it was tough i mean when that dropped I, I was chilling at the time. I think I was watching some some movie with the family. Yeah, I was. I was watching Home Alone, to be precise, because, you know, Christmas is coming and I get hyped. Good movie, good movie, And um, I was just like, my wife and kid are sitting next to me, and I was like, man, Gordon Hayward's leaving for Charlotte. And uh, obviously my kid's like, oh, okay. And she carried on watching the movie. And my wife's like, are you upset? I'm like, this hurts, dude. Like, I don't understand why he's going there outside of money because they have a good team now if you look at their starting lineup it's going to be what it's going to be Lamelo moore Lamelo ball graham Hayward, pj washington and then most likely cody zeller but they've just inked Bismack biambo again as well um so but it, they still have terrible centers and then they've got rosier coming off the bench at that point unless obviously mm-hmm. a sign and trade happens we don't miles bridges Bridges, they've, they're going to be an up-tempo team, and they're probably going to be quite fun to watch. Defensively, they're going to be a train wreck. But they could make the playoffs in the East.
1: They could make every... There's, They're going to be one of the teams fighting for the eight seed. I think there's going to be about three, four teams that do it, but they're going to be one of them.
0: And we, on the other podcast that I do, the Pick'em Pod, we had Keith Smith on last week, and he was saying, look, people need to realize that not every team is championship or bust. Some teams are very content with just being regular playoff pick like making regular playoff appearances. Would you believe that a team run by Michael Jordan is okay with that? I mean, if they wasn't, they wouldn't have inked um, Batum to that deal a few years back. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's ways to make your team better and that team's consistently poor. So um, you don't know. But, I mean, that's quite harsh on my point. But Hayward leaving the Celtics weakens that team. I feel like people are kind of like, hey, Boston – and I get this narrative as well, that the Celtics have been very successful with Hayward out and they're actually more used to playing without him than what they are with him. And then I was saying to somebody earlier today, again on a different podcast, that if you think about it, the only time Boston really had Hayward for the duration of the playoffs was when they had a second round exit. The other two playoffs that they went deep, Hayward was even not there for the entirety or came back towards the end. And I'm yeah. not saying that Haywood's a playoff curse, but what I'm saying is the, <laughs> the one time you had him fully healthy is the one, or, you know, in air quotes again, fully healthy is the one time you have a second round exit in the last three years.
1: Yeah. I'll say that I think that Gordon had skills that were underutilized a little bit in Boston because they just had so many shot creators, right? So Gordon didn't get to quite do that, um, meaning that, you know, somebody, with less ability, I think can fill Gordon's role, um, at an okay level. I don't think that Boston got anybody that can do that actually, but you know, a little more usage from both of, uh, Jalen and Jason. And then obviously you hope a step up from Romeo to, to fill that role slightly there. And yeah, I mean, I think that aside from the signings that we haven't really gotten to like losing Gordon sucks. Um, but it, it's not going to be, the, the team is still in a fine spot. You know, the The main carries of this team really were Jaylen, uh, Jason Tatum and and really like Jalen Brown, right? Like, I mean, th- that's the core of this team. And you still keep Kemba and Marcus. It's not like Gordon leaving, you know, this Max guy leaving usually means terrible things for a friend. For a franchise, but like the Celtics are still in a totally fine position and really might not be that much worse, if even worse at all. I don't think it's crazy that they end up better
0: than they were last season. Yeah, I feel like there's more room for Brown and Tatum to grow now. There's going to be extra touches to go around, which I hope some of the younger guys manage to get. The distribution of the ball is going to be a bit different. I want to see who's going to be the primary ball handler when Tatum and Kemba are out. Is it going to be Marcus Smart? Is it going to be their new pickup, Jeff Teague? Which I'm quite. I'm on board with Jeff Teague. I know a lot of people don't feel too great about this, but I feel like... Could it uh, be Romeo? Romeo. I mean, Romeo's gonna, he's gonna miss a second NBA preseason and training camp due to that surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not gonna be back to start the year, so then he's gonna need to ramp up his fitness. I feel like as much as I think that he could be really good in this league, I feel like any chance he's had of making any type of jump last year and this are so hindered due to injury that it's unfair to expect any form of improved like huge improvements until the 21-22 season yeah he he's had a very rough
1: start to the league when it comes to that injury and he obviously had one in college as well and then this whole just weird season from the covid situation um but you mentioned like the playmaking and this is where i'm i i'm a little concerned so the we should also mention like Brad, Wanam- Brad Wanamaker ended up signing with the Golden State Warriors, so he is gone. Um, I mean, that was a but- good
0: deal for him. Sorry to cut you. I'm happy for Very him. Good. I feel like he's gonna do well there, and I'm happy to see him go to a team where he can keep at least con- being in contention instead of going to like some bottom feeding team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Celtics take Jeff Teague
1: on a minimum contract for one year in his place, and I, I think that that's really good value for the Celtics. First of all, I mean, Teague is, you know, looking to play on a championship contending level team, it, it seems like, but I don't think of him as a playmaker for others really. Right. I mean, sure. 5.2 assists a game last year and throughout his career, like he's been in okay assist guy. I mean, he's had years of even eight assists, seven at times, but I don't think of him as setting up Much for other players, I guess he could do it in a limited role, but you wouldn't want him to be like the primary guy in the second unit. Right. So you're still going to need to be staggering. Right. Because I think the guys that are your playmakers are just the three that you mentioned. Really, I think Tatum Walker and and smart probably right now. Like, I mean, do you feel comfortable
0: with Teague as a primary playmaker in, in some lineups? No, but I feel very happy with him as a secondary playmaker, somebody that can catch catch the ball and keep it moving in, in the flow of the offense. He's, he's yeah. older now. He understands, like, look, he's a good three-point shooter as well. What's he on his career? He is 35% on his yeah. career. So, you know, he's going to draw respect from the defenders, which is going to help open some driving lanes. I feel like as a secondary creator off the bench, he's going to be fine. Um, it's yeah. still a drop-off from what they had with Hayward. I'm not. I need to do some film work to see what Teague's penetrations like because again, that was something that the Celtics were really struggling with. But part of that came from not having the bench depth in scoring that they've kind of resolved this past few days. I'm comfortable with him. He's a vet. He knows what he knows. Who he is. He knows what he brings to a team at this point, and I feel like he's going to slot in quite well along uh, playing the backup point position. And then we don't we don't know what pay, and Pritchard's going to bring. He might bring some form of playmaking as well because he likes to play at pace. What, what type of minutes he's going to get is completely uh, – it's a mystery at the moment. And you going, oh means you're expecting to see him in Maine <laughs> more than Boston. Yeah, I'm just – yeah, I'm a little too vocal about not being a Pritchard guy. I hope he proves me wrong.
1: I mean, um, yeah, you just
0: need to get on board at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I hope he proves me wrong for sure um but you know looking at that backup slash third string point guard i guess probably backup brad going from jeff Teague, from brad wanamaker sorry to jeff t is an upgrade no
0: i feel like it yeah i feel like the only yeah. thing that you're really missing out on is brad wanamaker's free throw percentage because he was automatic it's true
1: but yeah but he's fine there
0: yeah i mean he's 84.4 percent at the line yeah. himself for his career um, I don't feel like it's too much too bad, no. Uh, I feel like we're going to get better decision-making out of Teague than what we got um, from yeah. Wanamaker for stretches. Don't get me wrong, Wanamaker was a solid decision-maker in the playoffs, but he did have brain farts, especially in transition. So I feel like having someone like Teague that's had a very long career in the NBA, that's going to be beneficial to this Celtics unit, especially when he's on the floor with guys like Naismith and Pritchard and a couple of yeah. Grant Williams, you know, the younger guys, he's going to help. We, we were calling for vets and Teague is exactly what we were calling for.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Wanamaker plays and feels like a vet, but Jeff Teague actually is a vet. You know, he's spent time in the league. And I think what you said about him being a secondary playmaker in a bench lineup, I love. I, I think that he can totally do that. And I don't feel great about Wanamaker doing that. Like, to me, it's a clear upgrade. And then... Boston lost Ennis Cantor and Vincent Poirier through various trades, right? Um, I don't know if you have those in front of you, but they, in their place, signed Tristan Thompson to a two-years, $19 million deal. This is another spot for me where I'm like, okay, yes, you lost Gordon, and you hope you get some production back from from rookies and kneesmith or rookies and, and younger guys, second-year guys. And you go with an upgrade from Wanamaker to Teague, and you – upgrade your bench center situation losing
0: canter and poirier for tristan thompson okay so let's get through these trades before i give my opinion on thompson which is in flux at the moment and it's slowly trending upwards compared to where it was yesterday yeah <laughs> that's what i saw on twitter yeah it was interesting yeah. i was uh, i was trying to be very um very even keeled about it i wanted to do enough background work to have a a valued of an opinion I thought was valuable rather than an opinion that was just emotional. So Poirier makes his way over to the funder, the Oklahoma City funder, where the South where he's gone there along with with some cash. I think it was like a million or you know, there was some cash sent to Oklahoma too, and Oklahoma send a conditional second round pick, which I think is somewhat like top fifty five protected to take on Poirier. That created a $2.5 million trade player exception, a TPE, that they've got a year to use. And then Cantor was part of that free team deal that saw, let me get this right, so the deal saw Desmond Bain go to Memphis. The Celtics will receive two future second-round picks, and the Grizzlies get Hazania from Portland, while Portland get Enes Cantor. Uh, Canter have had his best stretch in the league in my opinion last time he was in Portland he was their starting center and replacement of Nurkic during the playoffs not this season just come but the one before and help get them to the Western Conference finals which is not easy I feel like this is good for Kante he wanted a little bit of control of where he went he wanted to go somewhere where they'd support his political efforts and he knows he's going to get that support in Portland I I like that deal it's a one-year deal because he opted into his player option so he gets the money that he was expecting to get anyway, and the Celtics create another trade exception of port four point seven million from that deal. So you know it's a win all yep. around. You get something they've took back three second round picks, one of them heavily protected, and created two trade play, TPEs along with it. Then we get Tristan Thompson, and um, and
1: they gave up pick thirty was probably like the main thing they gave up. To yeah, they gave that. up Desmond
0: Bain, which is fine because as Ainge said, he felt two rookies was enough in the draft. And I feel like yeah. he thinks that Nesmith Neesmith and Pritchard were the guys he wanted. So, you know, Bain, I, I like Bain as well. I thought he would have been a good pickup. But I can understand looking at the haul he got back and how he got off two contracts to open up the full MLA, which he didn't need to do with Hayward going, but they didn't know that at the time, uh, it has allowed him to get Tristan Thompson. I'm... So walk
1: me through your Tristan Thompson
0: yeah uh, so my, so up. my original trainer thought and people can crucify me this or they want was Christian Thompson does everything Kenneth canter does but at a bit of a better level. He's a better rebounder, better defender, better block, shot blocker and he's a bit worse on the offensive block. But realistically he's marginally better than canter at most of these things, probably by 15 to 25% in terms of if we were looking at it as like um you know, like an NBA 2K kind of stats chart where you see how you do the player comparison. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm like, right, so yeah. Cantor, so we're paying this dude, what is it, the full MLE for two years. Cantor was picking up probably just a bit above what the taxpayer MLE would have been. I just weren't sure if the upgrade from Tump's... Look, like I was kind of in in the mind of, you can go and get yourself Aaron Baines and Aaron Baines fits what this team's doing perfectly. There's a few other bigs that I liked as well. And I feel like Christian Thompson with his lack of floor stretching ability is just not the right guy to be going after with the full MLA. That was my personal opinion. I was very, very disappointed when I saw the Celtics picked him up. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, he blocks shots and he rebounds. Look at his stats. That's great. But how's he going to fit in with the Celtics, switch everything system? What type of defensive schemes does he run? And this is all the questions I've kind of wrote down that I'm answering over the next few days as I go through the film. How does he deal with switching off pick and rolls? How does he deal with showing on pick and rolls? Can he keep up with smaller, quicker guards? And these were all the questions I had. And I understand it's only in MLE. So the guy's not earning serious money, but when Aaron Baines is available and you know what he brings and then you go for Tristan Thompson and everyone's telling me, oh, well, he ate Horford for lunch. Well, that's great. But, you know, how often are we going to play against our Horford who's now out West? So I had a lot of misgivings about this i'm slowly coming around but i'm still not fully sold on it either
1: and so then as you watch the film how did that kind of develop because to me when i think of tristan thompson and obviously i'm gonna have to dive into the film too and he's probably lost a step I think of a really switchable defender, actually. I think that he's been really impressive in that way. Um, and yeah, like I said, you know, there's a good chance that he's slowed down from from the really switchable Tristan that i I really remember during you know times that Cleveland was was really promising. But, yeah, I mean, a guy that is the best rebounder you've ever had mm-hmm. right up there with Cantor. but like like you said, I mean, I think that Tristan Thompson is actually a good defender, and I think Cantor was pretty horrible there. So to me, like I, I'm really happy
0: with with that upgrade. So I'm probably 200 defensive possessions into last season that involved Thompson, and I'm working them by position on the court. So at the moment, I'm working on just rim protection possessions where anything that's going on around the rim, so layups, um, rebounds, anything like that, to see how he copes. So far, what I've seen is he played a bunch of drop, like 80% of those defensive possessions so far have been drop schemes. There have been times where he's kind of played higher up the floor, but he hasn't gone high enough, high off enough, high up enough for it to be classed as a show. But then he is quite switchable and he has switched onto to smaller wings and been very effective in protecting the rim, kind of in movement. Getting very, he's quite good at staying on guys' hips and not completely giving away the foul. But kind of being being there enough to force a miss. There's been some good blocks that I saw. He, I watched every possession. The first thing I did is I wanted to see how he does against big bodies because everyone says that Thompson is strong. So I went and watched him against guys like Drummond. Uh, he was quite good. The one thing I do know is if he if you get more than a step on him. So if you blow by him and get two steps on him, uh, as you said, he's lost a step in speed. It he, is kind of all over at that point and from certain film I've seen he kind of just gives up on that play once he realizes he's not going to catch you um so oh, one one thing that I think is important to note there like he's playing
1: on the worst defensive team in the league last year like one of the worst defensive teams of all time you know the energy level could definitely be different when he's on a contender in Boston
0: oh yeah for sure and the one thing that's really encouraged me is his weak side rotations on help defense and that's been the one thing that's kind of started to change my my thinking on him. And I've gone into this with a very open mind. Uh, you know, I've got a list of questions that I've wrote down. I've looked at the stats and I'm trying to see how his performance is correlated to the stats and how they're going to fit in within the Celtic system. And the weak side rotations have been very encouraging for me. I feel like that's going to be something that Boston got beat on a lot last year, especially in the playoffs. The weak side rotations were a step late. When Cantor was in there, they were non-existent. And I feel like that's going to be a big upgrade, especially with somebody like Thompson that kind of commands respect around the room when he's protecting the glass. So, so far, I'm kind of on board with this pickup now, more so than I was. But again, I've still probably got another four or 500 possessions that I want to get through before really cementing my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you know, nine million is nothing to scoff at to pay
0: a backup center right he's probably your backup right yeah i mean i'd hope so i mean part of me feels like he's gonna start part of me feels like he's gonna play backup and if he's backup then he's exactly what the team needed i mean personally a lot of people want toys to start if he's your backup then what happens to rob williams this is the question that i've got in my head like where does rob williams fit in this now
1: right and i think he just brings you something very different here i mean yeah i mean there was always this little bit of a hockey rotation and i think there's a chance that that still stays and when you want to be able to run the floor differently and and just have more of a vertical spin um vertical spacer i think you can still roll roll time lord out there but i'm with you that i think the minutes are going to be spotty and that's because he really hasn't shown enough yet. I mean, this is like the make or break year, I would take it. And then also, I think that like on top of that, I kind of want Grant to get some minutes at a small ball five
0: here and there. So a question I've been asking myself is, is with Gordon Hayward at the rotation, do you start Marcus Smart or do you slide Brown down to the two more? If, you, you-, don't, if you don't start Smart, who are you starting? Well, you could go Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, or Daniel Tice, and then Thompson or Rob Williams. And I'm just thinking of ways to open up more rotation minutes for Williams. Do you understand? you get what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think Williams can play with one of like Thompson or Tice. Actually, personally,
0: I, I, I like guess his you corner free development. Tice. Yeah, his corner free developments kind of made it easier for him to play along with a traditional big. And mm. Tice came into the league as a legitimate four at four man instead right. of a five, and he kind of learned to play the five out of necessity for boston yeah but his inability to shoot the three consistently i don't really want him at the four because then you're removing that floor spacing
1: Mm -hmm. right especially when these guys are not the focus of the offense you know you're you're going to have a primary creator that needs space at the rim yeah i mean it's going to be it's going to be spotty minutes for for time lord but we know you know injuries happen like there's a you know, I I mean, knock on wood, but like Thompson or or Tice could go down at some point and minutes open up,
0: uh, things happen for sure. You know, Um, and those are older guys. Do you feel like this roster is more unbalanced than the one that was there last season? No, I think there's more depth.
1: I think there's more depth.
0: There's definitely more shooting depth and I'm very happy about that. Mm -hmm.
1: Right, very important. Um, But, you know, it's just a lot of reliance on... Walker Tatum Brown to do all the creating, but I mean, three guys to do
0: it, you know, when it comes to like playoff time, that's, that's all you need. Yeah. And I'm very happy to let Taysom keep developing his pick and roll players, the ball handler, because in the next few years, that's going to become a very important aspect of his game. And the more reps he gets now and the more chances he gets to kind of hone in um, dealing with double teams, dealing with traps, dealing with people showing bigs, and making the right reads now, it's going to really come in handy in a few more years once he's in his prime, and he is the bona fide number one option in a finals game mm-hmm. because I feel like that's inevitable at this point. Yeah. But my I, biggest concern is where does the off ball movement come from now that Tate, now that Hayward's gone, because Hayward was your kind of, he was always the one to start those off ball cuts. And then everybody kind of reacted to his movements. And that was what made him such a good penetrator against zone defenses. Mm-hmm.
1: I think you saw guys that, that'll do it, you know, I mean, Hayward was, was really smart about it, but I think, you know, Jalen's a really good cutter. I think Kemba and smart are, are quality there that Langford could develop that. So I think that that's something that, that could be developed a little bit. And while those other guys are cutting, like I think that Teague and probably Romeo, it, it, I would hope at this year could be guys that just are able to make that single pass to the guy that's cutting off ball. Um, one guy I have, you know, that could be a little bit of an off ball threat, but I have questions of where his minutes are going to come from. Carson Edwards. There's so many guards on this team. Kemba Walker, um, Marcus Smart, if you want to throw him in there, but I guess he's not taking guard minutes most of the time it's more wing if you're talking point guard here so but Carson Edwards is probably behind Kemba Walker Jeff Teague I don't think you take Peyton Pritchard at 28 if you don't expect him to be like pretty NBA ready as a four-year guy 26 Um, 26, yeah sorry
0: Um, I think Carson could be like the fourth point guard in this rotation yeah I feel like Carson Edwards is uh is there now based on a contract that got given to him off a good summer league and you know, there's a chance that he fights his way into that rotation if there's an injury or something and he has a good stretch. But he's going to be waiting for an opportunity to come his way and then he needs to really grab that opportunity with both hands. And I'm just not sure that he's capable of doing that, especially when that type of pressure's on him. Yeah, this is where, like, instead of that Pete and Pritchard pick, I-, I would have loved a wing
1: here, another wing for Boston. The wings I have right now listed – Um, I'll include Marcus in this. So Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford, Aaron Nesmith, and then Semi Ojale. Um, you know, Shemi can give you minutes, but I'd rather him be below one other guy in this rotation. You know, like if you could have got even a Glenn Robinson, a a Jay Crowder, like I I think that, or I'm sorry, if we were talking the draft, if you could have got like a Desmond Bain that they even traded away or something like that, I, I really wish this lineup had one more forward rather than an, another guard.
0: Yeah. And at the time it was okay because Haywood was, you know, a lot of people right. myself included was like, Haywood's not going to opt out of this. Haywood's not going to leave 30 million on the table. That was the mentality I came into this with. And it's a mm-hmm. whole situation all over again. And we've both preached out on this podcast recently to kind of, you know, don't take it for granted too much. Yeah. Hindsight though. Yeah. I mean, they've still got the biannual exception. They can go and get a wing. Um, are they going to take a run at my cookie Gilchrist? Gilchrist, Gilchrist. Are mm-hmm. they? You know, are they going to take a run at a wing with the BAE? I Shem- would love Glenn Robinson. Yeah, defensive minded. Can I? would like Glenn Robinson too. I feel like Shemi at the moment now is a emergency wing. Mm-hmm. He's and that's, like, that's oh, fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, he that's on him, dude. He's had enough time to show improvement and consistency, and he's failed to do so. Um, I just hope we get a few more reverse layups that is that is his move yeah dude, you know these baseline the drive reverse yeah, layups he's got the frame to hold hold his yeah. man off as well um, the I, move. yeah i mean the only other thing we need to touch on is at the moment as things stand and this might be outdated by the time this episode releases tomorrow we just don't know but we are still waiting on tatum to sign a rookie max extension i i don't think this is any news uh, um
1: you're right we're waiting obviously but like this is gonna get done right there's no question.
0: Yeah, so Donovan Mitchell signed his. Yeah, give him the player option on the fifth year. Give Tatum whatever he wants. Give Lock him up for 10 years, guaranteed. Just tell the NBA yeah. changing the rules for one goal. Right, yeah. Like, no, we want him for The Rose rule, there's the bird. Yeah, no. We're um, making the Tatum rule. When one yeah. guy projects to be so good, you can just lock him up for his entire career.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Bucks aren't allowed to have it, though.
0: Yeah, it does it's not. It's the Tatum rule, guy. not the Giannis yeah. rule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It literally only applies to Jason <laughs> <laughs> And deuce went deuce is in the league. There you go. Yeah, yeah, any Tatum. Yeah, anyone from the Tatum. Channing. Program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Sorry. pretty much everything. I've so, got. do you think that the bench is better this year? Oh, for sure. I feel like there's much more scoring threats off the bench. Again, I feel like playmaking off the bench is going to need to be something that comes via committee. Which is weird, right? Because we've been so used to having rebounding by committee. And now we're like, right, with this bench unit, it's going to be playmaking by committee and everybody's going to have. But I feel like they've got some heady guys, you know, like Grant Williams is going to be able to be quite vocal. And I I feel like we could see Grant Williams become, not a focal point, but I feel like he could become a good distributor from the low block if he has to be. If you start putting him on the block and asking him to run some handoffs from down low, then I feel like he could do that quite comfortably.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's more of a regular season problem. Honestly, like it oh, you not for sure reach the playoffs yeah. shortened rotations, just always have one of Kemba or Tatum out there, or
0: worst case, Smart out there. Yeah, this is for sure a regular season issue. Playoffs, I feel like this team is more constructed for playoff success now due to the shooting that they've added and the mm-hmm. venture and help. And if they take anyone with the BAE, uh, they might choose to keep that roster spot open. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Hayward Jet, whether or not it's going to become a signing trade and the Celtics work towards getting a huge TPE.
1: <laughs> Terry um, Rozier.
0: It could be Terry. I just feel like <laughs> I'd prefer the TPE. But for me, I feel like that 15th roster Same. spot is po- possibly going to be left open uh, as the Celtics wait to see whether they can get that Haywood-sized uh, TPE. Mm-hmm. If not, they've got two smaller ones and they could use one of those. Uh, I wish they could have been in this Bogdan Bogdanovich
1: sweepstakes. Yeah, me too. Me too. But with him signing that... Uh... Offer sheet that's off the table now.
0: So, yeah, I feel like this the team that they've got at the moment is most likely the team they're going to head into training camp with. I don't expect to see anybody else. Yeah, I think maybe one more, but I'm with you that more than likely they're waiting to try to work out some Gordon Hayward sign-and-trade deal here. Uh, Yeah, if you head into it with 14 guys, then you've got a season where you can wait for somebody to become disgruntled, and if you think they're good enough, you can just absorb them. You know what I mean? If, yeah. Uh, or you can pick up bring in a guy, and then you know, no matter what happens, the Celtics roster space, um, cap space, sorry, isn't going to be great for the next few years. They're they're going to be pretty much capped out for the, the next two to four, three years, regardless that be of what. Because ha- they're contenders. Yeah, regardless of what happens with his TPE, regardless what happened with Hayward, if they want to make some cap space, then you know it's going to come in the form of Kemba Walker. Um, let's not get into any hypotheticals there though hmm. uh, yeah but I, i'd expect to see them go in with 14 unless if this haywood one becomes um you know just a simple haywood walks and you're getting nothing back then maybe they look to bring in another vet on the ba yeah would you have yeah liked you know to, i think that what was that? would you have liked them to take a closer look at boogie
1: um i don't know i mean that that's a risk really and like you know what you're getting in tristan thompson i think he's one of the more like reliable guys and at this point i don't think you need an upside swing i think that you have your you know your core talents and you just kind of needed complementary players so personally i actually like tristan thompson a little better but like there's ways that this offseason could have gone a lot better at least from my point of view for boston mainly looking at at the draft for me and then also in free agency here, obviously not losing Gordon for anything or uh, for nothing. If they would have just got something small back in a sign in trade. Um, And, you know, there were better options on the center market, like a Marcus Gasol or a um, Sergi Baca. Like it could have gone a lot better. And I think that leaves a lot of Celtics fans kind of disappointed, but I actually think that they're in a totally fine spot for next season. I think that again, there's a chance this team got better because a lot of the improvement is internal coming from Tatum and Brown and Walker being comfortable having a year of playoff experience under his belt and understanding playing next to these guys, internal improvement from Langford, Time Lord, uh, Grant Williams. Like, I, I think that I understand being disappointed in this off season, And I think I'm there also, but at the same time, like I'm still excited for next season. I think this can totally be a better roster.
0: Yeah. The only thing that could make this off season a complete bust is if Tatum's like, yo, I'm not, re- I'm not signing an extension. Yeah. That's Which, the only time I'm like, well, yeah. this off-season has been... I'm mad you even said that. Yeah, I mean, I'm upsetting <laughs> myself too. But, you know, if we're saying what would make this off-season a bust, then that is the, the move that would put the nail in the coffin and I'd be like, this is the worst off-season in the history of life. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay with the moves they've made, to be quite honest with you. I'm slowly warming to Thompson. I'm going to keep doing the film work. I'm still high on Langford. I just feel like expecting him to be hugely improved this year is unfair on him due to the lack he's focusing on recovery rather than improvement constantly um mm. and you know if he, if that if that's the case for him moving into next year too then i can understand why the team would move on from him but i'd definitely caution against moving on from him before he has enough season to focus on improvement i feel like there's a lot of potential there and you know i feel like i've always classed him as haywood insurance i feel like there's enough scalability in his game that he could become a very good secondary playmaker himself in a year or two, a very good penetrator. Um, and then you've got Nes- Smith that's just going to be a lights out shooter, touch wood, you know, if he, if he plays yep. how he projects the play. I'm, I'm ready for the season to start now.
1: Everybody get off Danny Ainge's case. You know, I, he's been doing this for way too long and had great years that have led the Celtics to this point And you know, sometimes you miss, and I would say this offseason was a bit of a miss, but he's done such a great job that the roster's still in a fine spot. Get off Danny Ainge's case. Get off his case. He did fine.
0: He did fine. Yeah, get off his grill because once he's gone and everybody's like, Oh, this new GM, whoever they get isn't ready, or you know, they're not as good as Ainge and everyone's saying we miss Ainge, then just remember that everybody was on his case. And sometimes this annoys me. I see a lot of people on Brad Stevens' case too. Jeez. Um, Like, name me three better coaches than Brad Stevens for this team. I cover the Sacramento
1: Kings, and you do
0: not want
1: a poor front office and head coach. It is one of – it causes problems everywhere else. And the Celtics have consistently had a good front office and head coach, and that's part of the reason they've been able to stay good for as long as they did, like, shorten this rebuilding process. Like, those guys should not go anywhere.
0: And we will be back. I mean, this sums us up, right? I'm good to close us out here. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah. So um, we will be back on Wednesday. If you like what you're listening to, if you like what we're doing, then hit that subscribe button. Leave that five-star written review. Nice things only. You know, if there's not, not like, nothing nice to say, don't say it at all, because it will hurt our feelings. Um, make sure you hit myself or Brendan up on Twitter at AdamTaylorNBA, at BrendanNunezNBA. We're very original with our Twitter handles, if you cannot tell. Um, very 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 and we'll be back again on Wednesday to discuss whatever changes between now and then which honestly with the way the off season's going could be a boatload or it could be absolutely nothing we'll find out